the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We began our liturgy tonight by listening to Psalm 51. And by tradition, Psalm 51 is the confession of King David after he committed adultery at Bathsheba and had her husband killed. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. We naturally think that this refers to the the pre-Bathsheba season of his life. But we also see why David is a man after God's own heart after, or maybe even especially after, his sin. And we can uh, highlight what David reveals to us by contrasting David's response to his sin with the response of, of Israel's first king, King Saul. David was the second king and Saul was first. Saul, who was anointed king, uh, became king and was given specific commandments by God, and he didn't do them. He, he, in significant times, didn't do what God asked. And when confronted with his sin, Saul developed a, a characteristic response. He didn't really acknowledge what he'd done, and then he, for most of his life, ran from the consequences. And this characterized the kingship of Saul, not acknowledging what he'd done wrong and running from the consequences and then actually trying to kill the next king whom he knew was going to be king in his place. When David was confronted with his sin by the prophet Nathan, uh, the Bible tells us that David acknowledged what he had done wrong. Now, if you look in the Bible the Bible conveys it a little bit simplistically. It says, you know, Nathan said to David, you know, you, you're the man who did this. And he says, you know, sir, I'm sorry. And Nathan says, you're forgiven, which I think is a truncated version of, of the process that David went through in developing his repentance. And I think Psalm 51 gives us a fuller sense of sort of how David processed what he felt inwardly. He openly acknowledged that he had done uh, what he ought not to have done. He didn't do what God asked him to do. He disobeyed God and um, asked God for forgiveness and cleansing. But the most notable thing about David in this regard is the consequences that came upon him, uh, he fully embraced. When Nathan said, your, your kingdoms will be taken away from you and given to another, and, and, and you get a rebellion in your own household, Uh, Rather than resist that and try to cling tightly to his kingship, uh, David accepted it. And when the rebellion rose up and it was clear that his son was going to rebel and try to have a a battle, a battle, incidentally, I think David would have won had he engaged it. David instead packed up all his, his stuff. He left the royal palace in someone's charge and walked out. I don't know of another king in human history who, when God told him what you've done is to cost you your kingship, who would say, okay. And David left Jerusalem with his fighting men who at any point in time could have changed the the course by mere physical force and willingly surrendered his kingship and went through a period of extended uh, repentance until God eventually restored him to his kingship. 
Father Joe Miller, who was here for a long time, once made the observation that I'll never forget about the Bible. He said that King David makes the Bible's first good confession. And if you look at the history of Scripture, you'll see earlier before David, you'll see people like Abraham doing things that just, you know, we're reading through Genesis now. It's like, we weren't quite, you know, exactly what we would have done. But you never see anyone say, I'm really sorry I did this bad thing, and now I'm going to make it right. David's the first one who, confronted with sin, says, I did this. I fully accept my responsibility, and I'll, I'll take whatever comes upon me in terms of consequence. And so David is a model for us in our repentance, a model. This is what God wants from us. This is what it means to be a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart, is to accept from God the verdict of, of where our lives are not as they ought to be, to accept the consequences that come upon us, and to rearrange our lives according to God's will and purpose in humility. And this is what informs our engaging of Lent. And Lent has a simple pattern. I mean, there's lots of details we can do, what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, but a simple pattern that helps us enter into this sense of repentance. We fast. In some manner, we consume less. We uh, should cut back on our food intake and our pleasures we should cut back. And this should be done incidentally by each person in the church in accordance with sort of where you are in your Christian faith. For some people, we've been observing Lent for 30 plus years and so it's, it, you kind of get used to, okay, how we're doing this, I sort of build on this. Some people just we're introduced to Lent, just begin to fast. So there's a distinction in how you'll engage the season depending upon where you are in your life. But you'll fast. We'll stop consuming as much. We'll pull away ourselves away from things. And the purpose of this is to turn towards God, to make space in our lives for God, for prayer, for listening to what God has to say to us. And we should, in this prayer, include some Bible reading. Those who pray the daily offices, we have a habit of hearing the scriptures in our cycle. But if you don't do that, adopt something daily for the season. Perhaps uh, one of the Gospels, maybe Matthew's Gospel. Or you begin, just read each day and learn to listen to what God says to you through the pages of Holy Scripture. We turn from things, we turn towards God, we listen for what God is saying to us. And then the transformation is only complete when we move outwardly into greater love for God and others. As we uh, repent of sin and receive forgiveness, we ask, what's, what's my ministry? What are my gifts? How am I supposed to love others? Because all of our sins, if we get at their root, are a result of our failure to love. We, don't, we haven't loved God as we ought and we haven't loved our neighbors ourselves. And as we hear what God is saying, whatever that is to us, it will touch on those themes. And we'll begin, as we're, close, as we're reconciled to God, we'll begin to look at others and, and, and see the ways that now God is calling us to love in ways we didn't love before. Lent is not merely about self-denial and suffering. Lent is about Easter. 
Lent is about preparing us for this joyous feast. But it makes a very important point that we really need to take to heart in our culture. Lent tells us that we can't just go to Easter without doing the necessary preparatory work of sharing in the cross of Jesus. And too often in our culture, faith and progress to faith is presented in a simplistic way, like all we have to do is believe in Jesus and things that are wrong in our lives will magically be made better. We pray about things and it'll, everything will become better because we believe. And it's a, really an insidious lie. We are reconciled with God, but to, to grow in that relationship, there is work to do. What being a Christian does, it, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Spirit brings us into a new way of life where what we do in labor can become fruitful. Apart from this reconnection with God through the Spirit, what we do is on a merely natural plane. We can try and try and try and we'll never rise above our fallen nature. What the gift of the Spirit makes our disciplines fruitful. Disciplines Spiritual disciplines in Lent, like fasting, like praying, like almsgiving, are ways we open our lives up for the Spirit to come in in larger ways and to do His work. And as we practice these things for extended periods, we begin to see, just as it, it, it's, it's organic on a spiritual level, just like uh, planting seeds are on a physical level. If we plant a seed and if we water and if it gets sunlight, it will grow. And the spiritual life, if we embrace the disciplines of, of denying ourselves and turning towards God and hearing God's word and feeding on the sacrament and beginning to make our own halting attempts to love, we will grow. And Lent is a season to begin to practice this in a sustained way for a while and experience that growth so that we can arrive at Easter with, with joy. That's the goal. The goal is joy. It's not to walk around with long faces for days and say how horrible things are. It's an opportunity to take a real look at ourselves, to turn from our attachment to things and towards God, to, to hear God's voice and make a good confession so that we might uh, experience Easter and resurrection with renew renewed joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.